So we talk to Jesus because we want to have this relationship with him, right? When we talk about prayer training, this is bare bones. Why do we open our mouth in prayer? Because he hears us and because he has something then that he wants to share with us. He's a friend and friends have dialogue. They have relationship with each other. I tell my kids all the time, if you go to church but you don't talk to Jesus, you are a groupie, not a Christian. <laughs> right? It doesn't matter what method you do or the motions you go through. If you do not have a relationship with Jesus, you have a different version of Christianity and it's probably more religious than we want. So talking to Jesus is about a dialogue. It's about a healthy conversation back and forth. And we talk to him because we wanna be good friends because we value the fact that he hears and that he actually died and rose again. So that way there could be nothing that separates us from him. So if it's that simple, we have a problem then, right? We can over-spiritualize things which then ruins our ability to hear God. And I think that's why the Lord has me in this position now. I am the worst over-spiritualizer ever in the history of humanity. I just can't do it. It feels so weird to me. It makes me feel all awkward. And so, um, you know, me standing before you today is not because, like, when I was three years old, I had these wild visions from heaven and I was prophesying over, you know, world leaders or uh, because I had any type of weird supernatural encounter. I think the thing that qualified me was actually two things. I started serving Jesus by picking up trash. Come on. And then I was really, really hungry. Yeah. I would read a verse like this, right? Because you bend down to listen, I will pray as long as I have breath. And it felt like almost a challenge or an invitation. It's like, if that's true, we need to figure out how to make this work. Because I didn't have a natural gifting. I didn't have great teaching. Uh, grew up in a charismatic church. Ended up going like to camp meetings. Anybody else remember camp meetings from back in the day? Okay, there's a couple of us who are saved. Just joking. Um, and, so, and so, you know, I was around an environment that expected there to be that dialogue, but I never got the handlebars on how to do it. And so when I knew it was a possibility, that's when my hunger took off. And to the extent that I was hungry, I think that's the extent that the Lord started to meet me and give me tools and help me practice and forgive me when I blew it and when I messed up. Sound good? Okay, good. So because I put that demand on heaven and I just leaned into the opportunity to be a friend of God and to have interaction and dialogue with him, I learned that identifying his voice is more about familiarity than it is a formula. So we're not going to go through any type of A plus B equals C today. It's not a formula. It is only through relationship that we get to have access to his voice. And so I've noticed in my life, he's so very practical. You know, uh, he'll let me know when to get an oil change. And then I'll go and get an oil change. And then guy will say, it's a good thing you came in today because your cart was going to blow up tomorrow. Right? I know. I hear you, girl. Or uh, just a couple of days ago, I needed to get a whole bunch of vaccinations to uh, go across country. And I just had this thought like, I'm pretty sure if I do all of this in the same time, I'm going to get sick. 
And so I told my husband, I'm like, I need you to pray with me. He's like, well, just don't tell the people what you're doing and just get them all. I'm like, I don't think that's a good advice. <laughs> and I'm so glad I didn't listen to him. He is so filled with wisdom most of the time, except in this moment. And I actually was able to talk to the nurse and just say like, I'm concerned about this. And I found out that the concern was right. It was a spirit of God inside me, helping me discern how to walk throughout the day. So that way I could be in good care and I could do the things that God has given me to do so he's so very practical he wants to be involved in our decision making he wants to be involved in our conversations and he is speaking to us all the time the question is how are we doing it listening right and so we're gonna go through the top three questions that I normally get asked about hearing God's voice. Question number one, right, is then how does God speak to us? And it's in a hundred of different ways. His first language is not English. I know it's hard to like, it's hard to think through, right? Like he has a, a, a different ability to communicate that's actually multilingual and sometimes we're so linear in how we view our interaction with him that if it's not this, then it has to be this and it can't be anything else. But he speaks to us in lots and lots of different ways. And we can actually learn new languages by putting the time and the training in. And so here, this is not an exhaustive list, but just so that way you know I read my Bible, I wanted to show you a couple of ways that God speaks to us. Number one, through scripture, right? Oftentimes, scripture will pop into our head and then we'll be able to, like, to understand that then the Holy Spirit is speaking to us in that moment through nature. How many times have you gone out into creation and just been hit with awe and wonder through the Holy Spirit? Through visions, uh, oftentimes these are called seers, or through a vision that we have like in our mind, which is a closed vision or an open vision. We see this with so many of the Old Testament prophets, John in the book of Revelations, right? And this is why Paul prayed that the eyes of the believer's hearts would be open so that way we could have the wisdom then to pair with the things that we see. He speaks to us through circumstances. Come on, Jonah, right? Come on, Christina, I'm a knucklehead like that guy through wisdom, through an audible voice, though I've never heard it, I hear it exists, right? But we can see that in the life of Jesus. Uh, in worship, how many of you guys have ever had a time where you've been in worship and all of a sudden you like wonder if you're daydreaming and then you start to feel like you don't know Jesus and you're not very holy until you realize, oh Lord, this is actually you communicating to me in this moment, just as sacred, even though you're not singing along with the words on the screen. In prayer, through people, right? Through our imaginations, kind of like I was communicating with you earlier. First John 5, 20 says that God has given our minds that we might know him. That word mind can be translated as our imagination. He's given us these tools. He's actually like wired us with the ability to hear him and to know him and to understand him. Also through our thoughts and impressions. I love this verse in Job 38. He who gives intuition to the heart or instinct to the mind. This is how I have identified if 
I could say my primary language of connecting to God's voice is, is through my thoughts. I haven't had a lot of, uh, you know, the audible voice of God in my life. There's seasons where I will dream a lot and then seasons where I don't, but every day I can identify God leading me or speaking to me through my thoughts, through my impressions. And when I was starting to go through my process and my journey, I learned how to kind of lean in, I should say. So much of what we do, especially moms, right? We're on autopilot all day long. We're like looking at our calendar, trying to figure out who needs to get picked up at what time, what time we need to start dinner, you know, reverse engineering our night so that way we can get in bed and put our sweats on by eight o'clock. And so, and so because that has been my like MO for so long, raising kids and, and working and serving Jesus, I would just be on autopilot until I recognized I could actually, you know, kind of stop and shift my attention, shift my focus as I realize, Lord, you're, you're saying something to me right now. I could put the book down, yeah. right? I could put the phone away, and I could just lean into the opportunity that he was giving me because I identified that he was speaking in that moment. Also through supernatural manifestations, right? Moses in the burning bush, uh, Joshua, um, excuse me, Gideon in the fleece before the Lord. He also speaks through burdens, feelings, or intense feelings of empathy. And this is what I wanna say about this really quick, is that whenever those of us who really feel deeply or can identify that the Lord speaks to us through our feelings, that is such a gift. When, when we are able to identify that he's speaking through that, he's actually letting us know what is on his heart a burden revealed from the Lord is his declaration of intent, him saying, I want to do something here. I want to bring change here. You didn't feel sad, but you walked into a room and now you feel sad and I wanna do something about it. So it's so good for us to recognize that um, all of the things that we feel aren't our own, but again, it's an invitation for us to then carry the voice of the Lord or the heart of the Lord into an environment and see some change come. He also speaks to us in dreams and visions. Did you know that a third of all of the time God speaks throughout scripture are through dreams and visions? That's a lot. And it makes me wonder like how then I can steward my night hours, right? If I could be missing one third of his voice even in my life just by uh, not, like taking too much NyQuil so I can go to sleep and not hear the kids. Just kidding, I totally never knew that. Um, but when I came into agreement with like the validity of my dreams, I started to experience the fruit of God's voice in the night hours. And so that happens to all of us. Some of us dream uh, naturally and we have very vibrant dreams. Others of us can tap into that way that God speaks just through hunger and through like consecrating our nights to the Lord. So by learning God's heart language of dreams, we actually can demonstrate our commitment for a deeper intimacy with him. And then he speaks through parables, stories, word association games, Disney movies, sports analogies, numbers, signs, colors. One of my favorite verses of all times is Psalms 115.3, and it says, our God is in the heavens and he does what he wishes. <laughs> and so, because I'm a good parent, and I will make sure that my kids always have access to my heart through my voice. God being so much better than I will ever be on my best day is going to do whatever he can to make sure that his kids hear him. 
And so we need to be more confident in his ability to speak to us than in our ability to be deceived by the enemy. Uh, Job, or excuse me, I'll go to John 10, 27, Alex. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. This is the heart of Jesus, right? He knows us so intimately. He's gonna speak to us in a way that we will understand. We will have to practice, we will have to pause, we will have to be silent sometimes, but he's going to make sure that he communicates to us in a way that we're going to connect to and jive with while we're in this relational, progressive process of knowing him more. Does that make sense? Okay, good. Hopefully confidence is building up in the room. Okay, good, two people, woo um, So hearing God's voice is actually our biggest right as a Christian. It was actually how we initially got into relationship with us, right? He called us and we answered. So after salvation, the best gift we've been given is the ability to hear him speak to us. 100%, I'm so convinced of it. Jesus was separated from God, so we never have to be. And God does not hide his voice to punish us Right? Think about your role as a parent. Would you ever pull your voice away to punish your kid? No, you would actually increase it. You would get louder. You would have more encouragement coming out of you towards your kids because you desperately, dearly want them to succeed. You want them to feel confident. You want them to trust you. And so God will not hide his voice to punish us. So then how do we know it's God's voice, right? How do we know it's the enemy's voice? This is a common question I get asked all the time, and it's super simple. You just do a really quick fruit test. So everybody just say, test the fruit. fruit. We're just gonna test the fruit, right? The voice of the enemy comes with messages like this. I'm sure we've all heard them. Uh, The situation is hopeless, you're no good, nobody cares, you're all alone, give up, run away, hide. Am I, uh, anybody? A couple of us, two of us, you holy people. Um, It's too late. Uh, Nothing you can do will help. God is mad at you. Everyone else get good things but you, right? So the fruit that comes out of those messages, very simple. It's death. It's confusion. It's destruction. It's shame. It's hate. It's anxiety. It's fear. It's pain. It's chaos. It's jealousy. It's hopelessness, right? No good thing right? But sometimes it can be a message that we are receiving. And the flip side, right? Messages that come from God's voice are, you're never alone. I'm with you. You don't need to do anything to please me. My love is already extended towards you. You're mine forever. My plans for you are good. Keep going. Keep trying. Keep hoping. The fruit that comes if we were to follow these types of messages, listen to and act on behalf of, would be truth, direction, discernment, peace, joy, love, strategy, conviction, health, perspective, hope, understanding, wisdom, clarity, accountability, like every good thing that Jesus promises to give us, right? So then the next question is, well, how do I know then if what I'm hearing or discerning or identifying is me or God, right? Valid question, get that all the time, especially from my teenagers. And my simple answer for that one is, I'm just not that kind. 
Like, apart from Jesus's love, fully overshadowing me and changing my behaviors and my operating system, I tend to be more selfish. I tend to think more about me than other people. And so if I'm, you know, going about my day and somebody's, like, name or face kind of comes to mind, my natural tendency is going to be self-preservation and do what's on my list. But if, if it's Jesus, what opportunity do I have to listen and to call that person or to pray for that person? Maybe it's him, maybe it's me. I got nothing to lose. And so it's worth acting on and recognize that any good thing that comes from me is because the spirit of God that lives in me. Apart from that, I was pretty icky. Right? Apart from that maturity process of learning the value of love, I was all about protecting myself and independence. So anytime it's in me or I get the thought or the prompt to share, be compassionate, be generous, pause, wait, I'm just going to believe that it's the Lord and that he's instructing me like his word promises that I will be instructed. Make sense? Yeah. Okay, what if I can't trust my confirmation bias? Anybody? Sometimes, sometimes it's hard. And that's why we have God's word and that's why we have community, okay? Always surround yourself with people you trust more than you trust yourself. For those moments when you're having a hard time discerning, it feels like me, it feels like it could be Jesus, I'm not too sure, go to your counselors. Go to those who carry wisdom over your life and you've given authority to speak in your life and invite them then into that discernment process. All right, and then the last thing, is hearing God's voice only for weird prophetic people? No. It's a good question. It's really not. It's really not. John 8, 47 says, anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God. One of my favorite quotes from Sean Bowles is, the prophetic is a relational heart connection more than it's even a gift. So because we are all God's kiddos, we have the ability to hear his voice. There is a prophetic gifting, there is a prophetic office, but we all have the ability to prophesy. And we get our core values for what prophetic ministry looks like from 1 Corinthians 14.3, which says, the one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. The ability for us to hear God's voice is not just for us, though it is of immense benefit. It's actually for the world around us. Just like salvation is for us and then ripples to our households and to those that we have influence in, to our family members, to those who are in our workplaces and who we meet at Walmart or at Starbucks. So to keep and hold the voice of God to ourselves would be such an inappropriate way to show our gratitude to the Lord for it. And there, it's possible for people who have not even yet given the Lord an opportunity to be their savior, they haven't taken that opportunity for salvation, they still can hear God's voice, right? Just like Jesus didn't heal a single Christian in scripture, there wasn't a single Christian who heard his voice, right? That actually doesn't work. Let me, let me say it this, this way. He didn't limit his voice to those who only walked with him. He didn't limit his voice to those who only had a face-to-face encounter with him. He didn't even limit it only to the Jews. He said, I'm here, right, that all might come to know 
And so there was a couple years ago, I was ministering at um, Juvie, and I had like eight of these kids in my room, and like any moment they could have pummeled me. It was like so fascinating, and I was sweating profusely, and I just didn't even know like what the Lord was gonna do, and so my friend totally puts me on the spot and, and asks everybody, they, she was like, do you guys, you know, have you guys ever heard God speak to you? And they were like, no, you know, like we can, you know, sometimes read scripture. I grew up in a Catholic church, you know, whatever. And so she's like, Christina, do that encounter thing. Right, I know, I was like, it's not a thing. I was so nervous, right? Because like, what if Jesus didn't show up? To which I immediately repented. Why would I ever think, God, you're not gonna show up? And seconds later, eight kids who went from never connecting to God's heart for them started hearing things like, I'm not like your dad. I'm not embarrassed by you. Things are different now, and it changes everything. Absolutely everything for us. The voice of God changes everything for us. So, before we move on with the rest of our day, I'm kind of curious about you guys. We just wanna do a little bit of a, like, raise your hand if what I'm asking you applies to you. Sound good? Okay, you can close your eyes if that makes you more comfortable. I don't know why people do that in church, but okay, raise your hand if you've ever received a prophetic word before. Perfect, okay. Um, How about um, if you've had a good experience with the prophetic, raise your hand. Praise God. Um, How many of you would say that you've seen um, prophetic words come true in your life? That's awesome, so good. How many of you have had a very weird experience with the prophetic? Couple of us as well. Uh, This is kind of a a trickier one. How many of you have had a disappointment with the prophetic or you walked away confused, kind of wounded? Yeah, we've got two hands on a couple of us. Mm -hmm. Okay, before we go any further, um, is it okay if I just pray so that way we can kind of heal from that weirdness? If we take weird things into new seasons, we'll miss what God wants to do in that new season. And uh, most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, people just don't know how they negatively affect us. Their hearts are good and they missed it. But for in any situation that you've been on the weird end of receiving weird prayer ministry or weird counsel or disappointment from a pastor or a wounding from somebody in the church that really just threw you, I just wanna pause right now and ask the Lord to come and heal that space. Is that okay? Okay. So Father, we invite you to come and to push the delete button and actually even wipe our memory clean of what we experienced and the lingering effect that it had for any way that it limited us from believing in what's possible. We ask that you forgive us and remove it. For any way it's blocked us off from being in relationship or from even trying again, we ask that you rewrite that wrong and that you give us the courage to trust you, to trust your word, and to trust your people again. Yeah. And right now, in the name of Jesus, I just sever all harm done 
And we receive your, your healing oil, Lord, just to come and wash us anew, wash our brain, wash our bodies, wash our hearts, and bring about a new way for us to experience you, God. So I want you guys just to stay in this place. And we're gonna practice. This is our first activation. We're gonna practice hearing God for ourselves. And so whatever way that you naturally connect to the Lord, whether it's in silence, whether it's in your imagination, just become aware of his very presence. And in the quiet of your heart, I want you to ask Jesus this question. Jesus, what do you want to say well done in me today? Raise your hand if you felt something, got a thought of something, saw a picture of something. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, you just release faith, God, to believe and to know that this is your heart for us. To know your love, to receive your pride over us to experience your affection all the time. Let's ask him this question. And for those of you who are maybe just feeling kind of stuck, like, okay, Christina, I hear you, but it's not working, <laughs> it might be important to just say to the Lord, I disagree with the lie that I can't identify your voice. Right? Sometimes we just make judgments like, oh, well, that's for those people, but not me. Or uh, I've sinned too greatly, I'm disqualified. That's all garbage. And so collectively, Lord, we just disagree with any lie that would come against us being able to connect to your voice right now. Mm -hmm. And so let's ask him this question. <laughs> Jesus, how did it impact you when Mary washed your feet with her hair and her tears? You might get an overwhelming feeling. You might be reminded of something you saw in a movie. All this is us trusting the Lord to lead us. And then we'll follow it up with this question. Then Jesus, 
When have you felt that way about me? And by show of hands, how many of you are connecting to his voice now? Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Just take another moment to be in his presence. If these questions didn't work for you, ask your own. God, we thank you that you make all things new for us and that you're always smiling over us <laughs> and that your heart for us is just like Jesus. This is my son. This is my daughter who I love and I am well pleased in. Yeah, we agree with your pride over us, God. And we thank you for being your kids. <laughs> In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to go ahead and get ready for round two. <clears throat> Sorry we ran a little late. We're on Africa time. <laughs> You say one time and you just wait till everybody's ready. All right, session two, are you ready? We feeling good? Yes. Yeah. How many of you would say that you've like already been blessed and we can just go home? Right, it's a good word, it's a good word. Um, okay, so for this next hour-ish, we're gonna talk about the role and the value of prophetic ministry. So, um, Profami in the Greek, pro and then fami. If we were to break down that word of prophetic, pro means before, right? And then fami means to show or to make thoughts known. This is what we get to do. We get to make God's thoughts known wow. on earth. And I'm gonna read this verse over you. Just go ahead and close your eyes and let God's word sink in. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. No, now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only a part of what the whole picture is. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and I thought and I reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. And now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God knows everything completely. And then these three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. So let love be your highest goal. And you should also desire the abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. 
For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God. But since people won't be able to understand you, you will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. But the one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. I love that the core values for what the prophetic ministry does is attached to the greatest description of love on the earth. And most of you guys know, right, that when Paul wrote this letter to the church, he didn't write, you know, 13-1, love is patient, 13-2, it's kind, and blah, 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 however it goes. And so there really wasn't a break between the attributes of love and then the core values of the prophetic. They're 100% interlaced. So the role that prophecy plays in our world is to bring strength, to bring encouragement, and to bring comfort. And there are two primary keys to be able to prophesy. One that we just unpacked, right? The voice of the Lord. And then the second one is knowing God's heart for his people. For those of you who have been in uh, ministry for uh, quite a bit of time, um, maybe you can make me feel a little bit better and um, agree with me that it's not always easy to love people. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to say it, right? <laughs> Most of us, no problem loving Jesus. Most of us, problem loving his bride. But unless we understand his heart for humanity, we will not be effective and useful in sharing his love with the one he chose. So this is a huge piece that we would stay aware of his heart. And the best way that I can kind of chastise myself or discipline myself into that reality is to remember what Hebrews 12, 2 says, right? It was for the joy set before him that he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and then sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so who endured the cross? There you go, right? This is like youth ministry. And who is the joy set before him? All of us, right? It's for us, the joy that was before him. This is where we get to understand God's heart for his kids, for every single one of us on the earth. My sister just got married last weekend and uh, before she came down the aisle we set her in this like little tiny room because we didn't want the groom to be able to see her at all right so we were doing everything we can to make the walk down the aisle as like special and surprising as possible and so she was in that room for about 10 minutes she had like 45 bridesmaids go down the aisle and everybody was napping you know but the second that the bridal march played and she came into the room, every head turned. Every face was just filled with joy and awe for her. And she said the Lord spoke to her so profoundly in that moment and gave her just a deeper revelation, a deeper understanding of this is, this is what we get to do. The world is watching us. Jesus is waiting for us to walk down the aisle. Right, We, as his bride, have been and are preparing ourselves to meet him in such a similar fashion. And if we don't recognize that the whole world is watching, 
If we're so busy fighting and disagreeing and not you know, understanding the value of having the shoes that look like this or the dress that looks like this, we're going to miss the significance of us being presented before Jesus on that special day. And so recognizing that the bride is very, very important to Jesus, which includes those who know that they're his kids and those who aren't, when we recognize this, then we understand the opportunity we have to communicate his heart on the earth. But what will come against this desire to speak words that bring comfort and strength and hope and encouragement will be if we don't posture ourselves, if we don't watch what's actually going on inside of our hearts. Something I've learned, and I've learned it the hard way, is that judgment violates our ability to operate with God's heart. If we practice seeing people from his perspective, there shouldn't be any judgment, criticism, complaining, arguing, disgruntledness, frustration inside of us, right? Because here we go, chief of all sinners. I can relate to Paul so much, right? And I'm grateful for his grace. I'm grateful it was for me, I'm grateful it's for you. But if I take my mind off that perspective, I'm not gonna be able to be effective as it pertains to sharing his heart on the earth. So when we have a judgment or a criticism in our heart against someone or something, we will never have the power to affect it or change it. I like to call this the Christian ill. Anybody ever seen Jimmy Fallon do the ew skits? Yeah, on, on The Tonight Show? Okay because only three of you have, I'm gonna show you a clip in just a second. But before I do, um, when, I, when you see him go through these like words of ew, what I want you to think of is what ews or what yucks we might have in our own heart against people. Discontentment, disillusionment, disappointment, dissatisfaction, offense, judgment, criticism. Name them all, right? There's quite a few of them. <laughs> and if we partner with them, we then just become powerless and passively say, I would rather just turn my love off and have an ew in my heart than for me to believe that God's actually gonna do something with somebody else. All right, so check this out. We're gonna relieve the tension. How we go? Rice pudding. Ew. <laughs> Yield signs. Ew. Airplane mod? Ew. Fracking up. Ew. Getting back together? Ew. Never? Never, ever, ever, ever. <laughs> ever. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to just move on in the kingdom and keep all my ills, yeah. <laughs> right? I actually want to surrender them to the Lord so that way I could move from being on the bench to in the game and I can participate in what God wants to do on the earth. Sean Bowles says, you only have authority over what you love. If we partner with a complaining or a judgmental heart and spirit, we won't have love, which means we won't have any authority. And that's scary and sobering and important for us to remember. You cannot simultaneously feed a prophetic spirit and a critical spirit, right? They cannot coexist. 
And so in order for us to partner with what God wants to do on the earth by releasing his heart, right? What did we say it was? To release his thoughts on the earth, we need to make sure that there are no enemies of the prophetic inside of us. So if we were to take some self-evaluation, right? Am I partnering with offense? Is there a frustration? Am I angry, right? Is there a hardness inside of me, a criticism over humanity in general that I need to surrender or slay at the cross so that way I could actually participate in viewing humanity for who Christ says she is and not just valuing Jesus, but value the one he chose as well. Make sense? Okay. So I'm gonna have two volunteers come up really quick. Any volunteers? Any volunteers? Okay, one and two, perfect. Ladies, go ahead and come on and sit up on the platform. And then if I could have my ministry team come on up, Tracy will tell you what to do. And they're just going to do something while I continue to talk to the rest of you. But for those of you who are feeling like, yeah, I'm actually, I've got a couple of oohs in my heart. I don't know exactly what I need to do with this. We need to reset back to a place of passion about who Jesus sees us and what he wants to do in our hearts. Maybe we need to partner with faith again for what he wants to do. Maybe we want to, um, or we just need to allow him to heal that wound heal the pain, so that way we can move forward and be effective then as his mouthpiece. The truest thing about you is what heaven says about you. And that can be a place of tension, right? Because we're not in heaven, we're all knuckleheads, right? God's kids, just like my kids, professional mistake makers, and sometimes we can have an expectation about um, what we think the church should be doing, what we think people should be doing, what decisions we think our government leaders should be making without recognizing that heaven has an entire plan and identity over every single one of us that we who have the spirit of God in us then have the ability to make known God's thoughts before they happen. See the connective tissue, right? And so when we think about how the prophetic strengthens and comforts and encourages, it's giving us an opportunity to see ourselves the way our, our Father in heaven sees us. It's giving us the opportunity to reset back to, wow, what's true about me in heaven is true about me on earth. What can I correct in my behavior to align with that, right? Where do I need to grow so that way I can see this word come into fullness in my own life? The prophetic does so many things. It encourages and edifies and comforts the body. It points people towards their true north. It makes people feel known. It reveals mysteries that bring peace to our heart. It breaks off confusion. It releases grace, 
One of my favorite verses of all times is Ephesians 4.29, which says, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word that is good for edification according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear. Grace being a gift that empowers us with power from God to do what we couldn't have done unless we had grace. And this is what the prophetic does. It's one of the values that it adds. It releases the power of God to do something that you couldn't have done before grace came on the scene. It provides direction and vision. It restores people's dignity and self-respect. It provides a breakthrough for evangelism and healing. It gives insight into counseling situations. It provides a spirit of praise and thanksgiving, and it confirms what the Lord is already saying to our hearts. And so our team is writing down words of blessing, words that would bring strength, encouragement, and comfort for Sherry and for, what's your name, babe? For Sherry and Carrie, how perfect is this? And as soon as you guys are ready, go ahead and you can pop them on there. And this is just a fun demonstration because when we're able to operate in that space of releasing God's heart on people around us, they end up getting covered with the truth. The truth of who God says they are. I told my kids a little while ago, you can go on the internet and find any answer you want. But you go to God if you want the truth. And there's a difference, right? Truth and answer, not synonymous. And the world, as confused and uh, in an identity crisis as it is, have a lot of answers for us. But we will only get truth when we hear from heaven. And so prophetic ministry does this. It covers us and what heaven says over us and what God's heart is for us. And it creates almost like an armor, if you will, of then how we can operate and go about the day. Does that make sense? I don't see a lot of heads nodding. Do we need a little bit more clarification? Yeah? Awesome. Would you girls feel comfortable if I read a couple of these over you? Sure. Yeah? And then if any one of them like really hits home, will you kind of walk us through why? Just maybe with like a 30 second. Um, okay, so for Sherry, we have teacher. God moves mountains and mohills for this one. <laughs> We've got um, grand soil, come on. And then this one says love going deep into your soil and into your life. Thank you, God. We also have, oh, he's always pleased over her. Come on. <laughs> also, authority, leadership, example, empower, sending. Come on. These are good words. Light heart, provided for. What else? Grace upon grace. <laughs> so fun. Strength. Amen. Yeah, we agree, Jesus. He's restored and made you whole. Come on, that's a good word. 
and over Carrie, yeah? Okay. We've got robust faith. He is smiling and excited about you. How does that make you feel? <laughs> His arms are around you. Let him hug you. Mm, he is so proud of you. Oh, this is good. We even have a, um, a design. It says, past circumstances, new season, and she's in the middle. So it's a transitional word. Come on. Right? New season, exciting future. There's some confirmation. <laughs> Forged, write a book. Care Bear, she's a tender heart. A resource, she's enough. Always seen with love. Come on. Any words that like kind of stand out? Yeah, I guess the ones that stand out are uh, teacher and I think this one was authority, leadership, mm -hmm. example, um, something, sending. I'm not sure what that word is. There. Mm. But, oh, don't uh, ask me. The, this leg. She's <laughs> like, this leg stands <laughs> out, this arm stands out. Lighthearted, yeah. yeah. A little upbeat. So good. <laughs> a lot upbeat. <laughs> He's always pleased. This was really nice to know because I'm very critical of myself sometimes. Mm -hmm. I think we could all relate. He definitely has equipped me and it's showing. Come on. Yeah. yeah. So like, good. Like I just told you earlier, yeah. like, just, it's weird. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so good. Great. Definitely grace, even when I didn't think there was grace, you know, like those low, low points. Yeah. Fuel. Yeah. <laughs> all these are good. Like you guys are hearing from him because he speaks to me all the time. Come on. <laughs> God. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a mountain mover. Come on. So good. Yes. Carrie, do you want to say anything? You don't have to. <laughs> I, I mean, I would just say that, um, yeah, it's encouraging because sometimes, you know, you feel like you're asking God to speak to you mm -hmm. and maybe you doubt like what you're feeling or yeah. hearing. And so what I have found is that when you're in community who mm -hmm. is pouring into the prophetic or praying over you, that God will always confirm your doubts. And so when you feel like I'm not, you know, maybe I'm not hearing from God or you need confirmation. Like God uses brothers and sisters yes. mm -hmm. to affirm, affirm what you've been hearing. Yeah. So that's what I have found to be so just, well, encouraging yeah. and uplifting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Life giving. That prophetic prayer, yeah. you know, is so, so all these things are all things that I've, uh, that God has affirmed previously, but just every time I doubt, he, like those same things, Aaron, even during prayer time used, he had the metaphor of a rock, and just last Saturday, someone else had a prophetic word that dealt with also a rock, yep. so yep. it's very, like it's been a very consistent theme that God has used so when people are praying over me so so good so good and isn't it kind of fun just to see the visual too like with especially because you girls can go ahead and sit down if you would like to or just stay up there you look beautiful um especially like those of us who have the spirit of god inside of us like we get to do this to everyone we encounter all the time 
We get to make sure that they're covered with the truth, that they know who they are, that, they, that confusion doesn't have a voice in their life, that, that they're set up to you know, hit grand slams for the kingdom of God all the time. Have you ever um, like had a day where you're like, oh, gosh, I just like, I need somebody to pray so I don't kill somebody, end up in jail, or like you walk into a room and, and you like look around, and you're like, I guess I'm just gonna have to bless myself because there's nobody to bless me, or you know, like where you're like, like thirsting, just like parched for courage, yeah. right? I've got something huge I have to do and I, I, there's no courage in my bones. This is what we get to do. We get to give it away for free all the time. Nobody should ever come in our mix and not feel that way. That's actually the opportunity that we have is to cover and douse people with heaven's truth that we prophesy the end, even if there's a gap between how they're acting and what they're doing and the decisions that that they're making that we see from the finish line of their life and speak into it. This is who you are. It's a non-negotiable in heaven. Right? Absolutely, that's what we're called to do. Yeah, prophetic ministry, speaking those words of life, releasing the thoughts of God before we know them are so vital. It's been a huge ministry to my own life. There was an opportunity that I had to, um, this was kind of a fun one actually, I was praying over this guy who was a missionary in Brazil and he had come to um, the healing rooms because he had a jacked up knee and he was gonna need surgery. So a couple of weeks later, he was gonna go in to the doctors, they were gonna do the whole like, okay, cool, they were gonna have this surgery, you're gonna have this recovery time, so he knew he had to have it, and then the next step was going in and kind of getting like the whole thing situated. And so he came in, he's like, yeah, I'm just kinda nervous about this, you know, can we, you pray? We're like, of course we can pray. And we're believing for a new knee. You know, you guys like get like that. It's like, oh, oh it's gonna be amazing. Um, but I actually had more than just praying for his knee. I was like, you know what? Like not only are your, is your knee gonna get healed, but you're not going to need surgery. And I actually see you kind of in this picture in my mind of you just like running, you're running, you're running, you're running, and you're not stopping for anybody. And I'm like, and I don't think that it's just about the knee. You know, I actually think this is who you are. You're a runner, you're a runner in the kingdom of God. And he starts breaking down and he shared with us that he had a couple of people that were on like his board helping him with some of the decisions that they were making as it pertained to their ministry in Brazil. And every time he had come up with a new idea, his board, the wise counsels that he had invited into his life was like, you're just going too fast. There's not enough resourcing for this. That's not faith, that's foolishness. And he got like at war within himself because he really felt like the Lord was leading him into something and then everybody around him was like, oh, I just don't think you should do that, right? And for those of us like, who have people that we've invited into our lives, that could be so confusing when you trust people to speak life and you're getting such a different message than what you really just feel the Spirit of God is telling you. And so in this moment, hearing from complete strangers that he is a runner, that God called him that way, that there's nothing wrong with his ability to run, that he thinks well, and that his knee's gonna be healed, he was just like, I have so much clarity now. He was able to make great decisions, move the ministry forward, didn't have to get knee surgery, totally healed, and I mean, everything changed in just that one moment, that one encounter. So powerful. 
I was thinking of how uh, prophecy provides a spirit of thanksgiving and praise. And years ago, my husband and I, we were in a custody battle over our oldest daughter. And it was the night before we were going to court and just believing that God was going to um, give us full parental rights over our daughter. And we had our small group there, we were praying, we were worshiping together, and we started singing that old hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. Do you guys remember that one? And we were prophesying it over our souls, and we were prophesying it over the courts, and we were prophesying it over our family, you know, just really believing that whatever the outcome is, my soul needed to know that it was well. I needed to speak that life over myself. I needed my community to speak that life over me. And we were able to have justice the next day, which was awesome, but even more than the release of justice, I think came the night before, right? That surrender and that peace of God, whatever the outcome is, it is well in my soul, I've got you. There is no end, from my opinion, of what I think can happen in prophetic ministry and with prophetic ministry and people who believe God for great things. So go ahead and turn to your giving and receiving prophetic words document. We're going to go through this really quick. If I have more time to share more stories, I will. I wanna give you all the goods and I overprepared. We could be here till nine o'clock tonight, but I'm not gonna do that to you. <laughs> so this is for your enjoyment. I hope it's helpful. We're not gonna go through the whole thing just for the sake of time, but I do just wanna point out a couple of things. Every prophetic word, right, should contain three components. The revelation, what we're hearing, what we're identifying from the voice of the Lord. Also, the interpretation, how we say what God is saying and what he's actually saying. And then the application, what to do now with what we have, right? So for Carrie, how she got the, the word about you know the past, a new season, and then she's here, she now gets to have an opportunity to have a conversation with the Lord to say, what do I do with this? How do I apply this? Did you give this to me so that way I could just know where I am? Is there something you want me to do in response to this? The application is 100% for the person who is receiving the word. That's their process to walk out. But again, we talked about how 1 Corinthians 14 carries the core values prophetic. It's to give words that strengthen, encourage, and, hey, Pastor Dan, I'm not surprised. <laughs> and so if you are receiving something uh, that you feel is from the Spirit of God that is not encouraging, comforting, or strengthening, I wanna speak into that a little bit and just talk a little bit about what it looks like to navigate discernment because we can get a whole bunch of things from Jesus, right? We can get good things, bad things, words of warning, right? It's the same spirit, but it's not all the same gifting, right? There are words of knowledge. It's different from prophetic. There are words of uh, wisdom and counsel, not the same thing as prophetic. So there's gonna be opportunities for us as we're connected to the heart of God to interpret all sorts of his messages, right? But if it's prophetic, it can only fit within that, that core value of encouraging, comforting, or strengthening. So then what happens if you walk into the room and you feel sad, right? Like how we talked about that burden revealed is the intent of the Lord saying, I want to do something here. We don't walk into the room and then just say, there's sadness everywhere here. 
that would be the wrong way than to carry that message from the Lord. Instead, it's an invitation, Lord, what do you want to do in this space? And that's oftentimes what we have to do as we're navigating through discernment. If you get um, a word for somebody that does not fit into the core values, then it is actually vital that you seek God on how to make the word fit within those things. So you follow up with Jesus by asking him more questions. Discernment is always intended to be paired with a resolution, right? If there's a problem in heaven, there's a solution. Always. We're never lacking in solutions. And so the discernment can be an enemy of, a prophetic, of the prophetic if it doesn't move past it into whatever that resolution is, right? So you have somebody that you're praying for, or maybe you're wanting to bless your spouse before they go to work, and they're just like grumpy and complaining and nasty. If you say, you are so grumpy and complaining and nasty, there's no power there for them to break out of that. Only shame comes. So it's not even discerning to say you're grumpy and complaining and nasty. The question is, Lord, what do you have for my spouse today? What is in your heart to give them? What opportunities have you already gone before them to make possible? Let's speak those things, right? Because discernment, though helpful, is not our debt. Love is our debt. So every word that we speak wants to be then partnered with what's possible from heaven. And that's also why discernment impressions, they don't bring change. You're either just calling it what it actually is or you're identifying the problem without bringing a possibility. And so the prophetic will bring the hope. It'll bring the strength. It'll bring the anointing, the grace, like we talked about from Ephesians 4, to break out of and into heaven's reality. Make sense? Um, Also, discernment can be very isolating for some of us. While everybody else is hanging with Christina and bouncing around and everything is hunky-dory, those of us who are having discernment are like, I feel like the ship is sinking and nobody understands. Thanks, Peggy, for giving me the okay on that one, right? And so it can isolate you. It can make you feel like you're alone. Again, press through it into the place of resolution so that way you could bring hope instead of just acknowledging what's broken down. Also, uh, discernment will mess you up if you are not connected to God. It's going to allow you to connect in relationships in a very unhealthy way until we ask Jesus, what are you wanting to do with the information that you've shown me, right? Sometimes um, in church ministry, we can have uh, very broken people around us. Hopefully, we have very broken people around us or we're not doing our job well. And it can be easy for broken people to make broken situations and practices and also drain us because they just don't know how to come out of that brokenness. They need to be loved to the extent that they've been broken. And so it takes some time for us then to navigate through, okay, what does it look like to not become this person's savior, right? to not reject that person because their brokenness is like draining me of all my resources, but to come alongside of them and say, Jesus, what do you want me to do with this information that you're showing me so this person can experience your love and freedom, right? We never wanna reject or pull our love from somebody just because they're broken or else we're all disqualified. 
And so that's a way that we're gonna see discernment kind of show up in our life. And the best way to move past it into resolution is to set personal boundaries and always seek the Lord before you share what you are hearing and sensing. Does that make sense? Okay, great. Um, another thing I want to point out about the giving and receiving prophetic words is that there are some like just basic things that are helpful as we navigate the messiness of operating with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit's a fun guy. Um, and some things that are just good to steer clear from is like calling out people's sins, right? We don't do that, we're under a new covenant, and if Jesus wanted us to do that, it would have been listed in 1 Corinthians 13, or, or, or like 14, right? To strengthen, to comfort, to encourage, and call out sins. But my Bible doesn't say that, and so I'm not gonna do it. Um, also, giving correctional and directional words, um, that's not uh, necessarily um, under the guise or under the um, explanation of prophetic ministry. It still is a gifting, and there still is a place for it, but we need to understand how we minister and what the effect of our ministry could look like as we encounter and engage with people. We're gonna talk a little bit about that in session three. And so, as a best practice, it's just best to stay away from it. Right? It's also good to stay away from saying, thus saith the Lord. Y'all don't need to do it. I've never, ever once in my life given a word where I felt like I have to, for the sake of authority, say, Jesus is telling you this, you have to do it. I actually think it discredits the ministry. And I think there's a better way because we're not 100% confident, it's a, it's a facade, for us to humbly come to people and say, I'm on a learning journey, this is what I'm sensing. I get this impression, the Lord speaks to me through pictures, and this is the picture that I feel like I'm sharing. I would love for you to process that and leave room to be wrong. Leave room for that person to apply the word because it's not about us applying it. Right? And when we say, thus saith the Lord, we can make a couple of messes that are so easily avoidable just by understanding our role as a mouthpiece and a lover of God, right? I don't walk around all the time saying, I'm a woman, I'm a woman, I'm a woman. That would be so weird, right? And so I don't walk around all the time saying, thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Ethan, you need to brush your teeth, thus saith the Lord. That would be so weird. Nobody needs to do it. Um, all right, so that's all I want to say about that. Hopefully this whole thing is encouraging for you. The other thing I wanna say on actually um, receiving a prophetic word is what to do with it, right? A couple of us were like, yeah, I've been in a weird prophetic situation. And you are more powerful than any prophetic word over your life. Amen. The Lord has made us very, very powerful people and you get to agree or disagree with what you believe in. You get to agree or disagree in how you act and what behaviors follow. And so if you get a word that is so encouraging to you, like Sherry, about being a mountain mover and an earth shaker, she can say, yes, that is who I am. And when I'm feeling defeated, I'm gonna hold onto that word, I'm gonna lasso it and draw strength and comfort from it because this is what heaven says I am, this is who I am. If she got that word and she was like, no, no, there's nothing about this, this is true. She doesn't have to be at war within herself trying to muster up the faith to believe it. She can just reject it, right? She's more powerful with the Spirit of God inside of her than any word given to her. Yeah. 
And sometimes we're gonna need to do that because like we said at the beginning, people will unintentionally hurt us and we need to be able to say, no, I, I'm not taking this in. It's not going to affect me. I'm not even gonna lose sleep over it. And so you just throw the word away. You flush it down the toilet. Then there are other words that don't really connect. They're not against who God has said we are, but we just might not know what to do with it right now. And in that case, just shelf the word. Put it in the cupboard, right, for a later date. Tell the Lord you have authority to bring it back any time that it might make sense or that it might apply. But again, prophetic ministry, if it's not encouraging us or comforting us or strengthening us, then it's not prophetic in nature. It's not giving grace to do what God wants it to do in our life. And so it's okay for you just to say, this is just, it's too confusing to, to me, so we're just gonna put it over here. If it needs to come back up later, God will bring it up. Whatever God brings up, it's for the purpose of our healing and our growth, and so we can trust him to do that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, great. Um, okay, so that's navigating discernment. We're going to do another activation. I know you guys are so excited about this. I'm so excited that you're so excited. Um, and we're gonna practice. We're gonna practice translating what we're hearing from God to one another. And so raise your hand if you were a part of group A and you received one of the prophetic words just during that last break. Okay, total moment of honesty. Keep your hands up. If you received a word and it just wasn't encouraging and it was kind of icky, go ahead and just put your hand down. It's okay. It happens sometimes, awesome. So we're batting a thousand, guys. Woohoo! that's great. So already you've got seven people around you who are like, oh, this is good. There's, there's information here that's worth pursuing. And so now it's time for all of us to practice, not just the ministry team, but every single one of us. And because I know that this can be a little bit risky, this is what we're going to do. We're gonna break up into groups of four. Okay, you can take somebody that you know and love as a security blanket. You're welcome. I'm thinking of all of you in this moment, right? And what you're going to do is you're just gonna spend time giving words that would bring hope, strength, and comfort and all the good things from Jesus over each other. If you are a slow processor or an internal processor, you have pieces of paper that were given to you in your little packet. You can write down the words before you say it, or you don't even have to say it, you could just write down the words and give it to that person, okay? But this is good because we're gonna take about 20 minutes and you all each are going to get three words and you're going to give, yes, thank you. Do you wanna hold it up for the whole class to see? There you go. And you're going to each get three words. Now, when I start, you guys, have you ever heard of people who are like, oh, the Lord just really highlighted this person to me? Yeah, I've never had that happen before. I think it's a load of crap. Um, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm just, no, I'm just joking. It does happen, but it never happens to me. The way that the Lord works with me, um, and it might not be the way that he works with you, but I often will not have something to say to someone until I open my mouth. Yeah, talk about a faith gap, right? I would love to experience what all y'all experience, like, oh, I saw you from the room and there was a halo over you and I just knew God wanted me to say this. So the Lord has me always in places where I'm risking and I'm just waiting on him to come. And so that's okay. 
just like the halo and the highlighting is okay. If that's how you interact with the Lord and what you're discerning from him, do it. If you feel like the Lord is highlighting somebody in this room, make sure that they're a part of your group of four. If not, do it with the people you sit close to so that way it can be awkward during session three and you can just laugh it off. (laughs) But take the time then just to go one by one. And for me, I'll often just ask, okay, Tracy, we're gonna pray for you. All right, we're gonna pray for you, we're gonna pray for you. Oh, Jesus, help me, help me, help me help her. And I've gotten kind of into just the place where I'll take a deep breath and I'll just ask, Jesus, would you just give me the keys to her heart? What is it that she needs? Not what's gonna make me feel good or what's gonna help me not sweat so much, but this is your daughter sitting in front of me. What does it look like to love her well in this moment? And I've learned to pause for as long as it takes and not fill that time with extra words, just kind of like Mike taught us a couple weeks ago. Or sometimes I'll just bless her. Oh, I just I bless you just to receive the love of Jesus right now. And as I start talking, I bless you to know his affection for you. Then the Lord will start kind of putting some thoughts into my mind and that's kind of how it comes, okay? For some of you, you're gonna sit down next to somebody and instantly a movie is going to come. A movie part is gonna come into your brain. That's the Lord, just go with it. We've got absolutely nothing to lose, okay? All right, so raise your hand if you're absolutely dreading this. (laughs) Couple of us, thank you for being honest. You guys get all of the points in the entire world. Thank you, yeah. It's okay, it's okay, because even in the dread, can you just imagine, like, if you asked your kid to jump into the pool and you were gonna catch them, and you see that look on their face like, oh, I just don't know, and they actually just trust you enough to jump, what that does for a father or a mother's heart. So maybe, even in the dread or in the discomfort, we have an opportunity to give a gift to Jesus in this moment, to just, okay, I trust you. I want everybody that I come in contact with to look like Carrie, to look like Sherry. And so that is worth my discomfort in this moment as I trust you, Jesus. Can we do it? Yes. All right. (laughs) And isn't it fun to like prophesying and praying and doing it in community? I love the partnership of, you know, like when Peggy would say something, all of a sudden I would, I would kind of hear something from the Lord that felt like it tied together. And then there's sometimes where you feel like you're out in left field, but you just do it anyways, you know, you just still take the risk and, and pray that the Lord is, is using you and speaking <laughs> through you. But it is, it's so fun because we know in part, right, and we need the full mind of Christ, the full body of Christ to come alongside of us and help us understand his will and his purposes and his goodness over our lives. So, so good. Um, I'm curious if there's anyone here who is experiencing the Lord differently um, now after a couple hours being together than they have like before today. Anybody? Couple of us? Um, So would you say like you're like growing and being multilingual? Yeah, yeah. Is it a... Yeah, is it okay if I can share? Yeah, she was saying how um, she was just all of a sudden getting pictures and she never realized before that that was one of the ways God was speaking to her in the past. And so with that revelation, you know, can you imagine what's gonna happen now? 
Oh my goodness, so good. Okay, so we're going to end our time together talking a lot about practical, practical ways of practicing what we've now all been empowered to do. Sound good? And so we've got a couple keys that I found in my own process and also in building um, prophetic ministries and even beyond a ministry, actually a prophetic culture within our church community. And the best key in the world is the key of failing. I know we all love that word, but it is such a hidden key. The fear of failure is the number one thing that keeps us from growing. And so if we can change our relationship with failing, we will continue to grow, to take greater risks, to practice some of the more wild things of God, and then to be able to exercise and participate in the mysteries that he has for us as well. When people um, first launch into the prophetic, we make mistakes. 10 years after practicing hearing the voice of the Lord, I still make mistakes. It's just a part of being human and it's a part of growing. I just recently started working for an organization that serves in East Africa, and so I'm trying to teach myself some Swahili. And I'll get on phone calls with some of our African partners and totally botch it. Like, I'll say, Asante sana, you know, and that means thank you very much instead of hello. And, you know, I'm just mortified. I'm so mortified that I got it wrong. And all I've ever received from any of our African partners is grace and approval and almost like, you tried, you know? <laughs> Yet I am my hardest critic. And so in the process of growing and taking risks and going on this adventure with the Lord, we need to practice self-compassion and recognize that there is grace. God does not expect instant maturity from us. Praise the Lord. Um, it's a process of us yielding ourselves to love and just to remember that like relationships are progressive. Um, it takes time. When my kids were learning how to walk, I was never agitated at them for falling, right? I would always celebrate, you know, it went from one step to two steps to three steps to, you know, running and then falling and then running and jumping. And so, and so if we see ourselves in an arc of growth with the Lord, we'll be much more kinder and look more favorably on when we fail or when we make a mistake. And then it'll keep us in the game. God is not critical and harsh with us as we're learning to minister. He always is um, extending mercy to us. And really, like, our heart to obey him overrides so significantly any damage that we can do. You know, the Lord will cover us. If he invites us into a process or into an opportunity, he's already going before us to cover whatever we do wrong. He's actually just that good. And so if we blow it, we know that he is going to to help us along the way. And ultimately, like his ability to do something out of our nothing, right? Or multiply to feed thousands when all we really have to offer is just a loaf and a fish is so significant that that's where we should be putting our faith. That's where we should be putting our hope. And some of the things that we were just kind of talking with is like this, this pressure to perform, this pressure to be a great orator, this pressure to you know, have all of the right words when you pray, which I don't see that modeled in Jesus's life 
you know, at all. I don't see it as being a key game changer in anything that um, I've ever been a part of. In fact, I'm like the foolish things of the world that God uses to confound the wise. You know, and there are things that we can do, like read dictionaries, you know, expose ourselves to great teaching like we're doing today. And, um, <laughs> and uh, just things that we can do to grow, but ultimately, like our heart of just wanting to prophesy is already half the battle. Our heart of wanting to minister to people, to pray, to have the opportunity to speak into somebody's life and to give words of life or to pray words of healing really doesn't have anything to do with our words and all to do with what Jesus is gonna do, the grace that he puts on the word to create change. Does that make sense? All right, so what if I mess up and I know it, right? That's a great question. You can repent and then move on, right? Absolutely, yeah, talk to the Lord, tell him you're sorry, ask for forgiveness, talk to the person if you're still in relationship with them and tell them you're sorry and ask for forgiveness. Because sometimes, you know, we'll like, we'll give, we'll give words at the grocery store, we might not ever see that person again, but especially in a culture like this, in a context where we're getting to see each other every so often, if you know that you messed up, please take the very first responsible opportunity you have to clean that up. Right? There's been times where I've even been in prayer sessions where I've prayed something that I thought was kind of funky and I found that person's phone number, I just called them. I said, I'm just not able to sleep well. You know, I just want you to know that I felt like that interaction was kind of odd and and I just want to cover whatever happened there. I want to remove the words that felt, you know, kind of rough or I want to, you know, ask for your forgiveness. Uh, I was in a hurry and you felt unloved, whatever it might be. Um... What happens if I prophesy out of a wounding or out of an unresolved issue? Clean it up, right? Um, In the responsibilities document I gave you, I talk about the importance of living clean before the Lord, Matthew 6, 22. Out of the outflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, Proverbs says. And so if you're filling yourself with information or content that is anti-Christ, your ministry is going to be an antichrist ministry. It'll come from an antichrist spirit. And so it's very important that we navigate what's coming into our thoughts, what we're exposing ourselves to, so that way we can make sure that whatever comes out is clean. And so if you recognize that you prophesied out of a, a wounding or of, let's say, you know, you were really hurt by somebody, Um, in leadership and you took the opportunity to pray with somebody and then all of a sudden you started prophesying like and you need to be real careful about the people you let into your life right that's coming from your own journey your own testimony that's not a word of the lord is there value to it possibly is that what the spirit of god is saying to that person in that moment Right? These are the questions we need to ask ourselves as we're earning the right to minister into people's lives. And so if you recognize that, the best thing you can do, again, repent before the Lord, I'm so sorry. Lord, before I do this again, I'm gonna get this wound healed, right? It's okay for us to put ourselves in timeout while we're getting healed up and then to go back to that person and say, hey, I said this to you, I wanted you to know where it came from. It came from my own fear. It came from my own experiences, and I don't, I don't believe that that was for you, right? Another reason why we don't ever say, thus saith the Lord, 
right? Because where we end and the Lord begins is kind of tricky to identify sometimes. There's this uh, um, great testimony I love. I wish it was mine, but it's not. It's from uh, Chris Valentin. He was one of the pastors up in uh, Bethel in Northern California. He was talking about how one night he was on a prayer line and they had so many people coming up and they were just giving, you know, they're praying and praying and praying and praying and praying. And he was driving home and he was telling the Lord like, what a fabulous night it was. It was such a fun time in ministry. And he was just laughing and having just a good old time talking with Jesus about it. And the Lord said, well, what about that lady? And instantly Chris knew from the story that he didn't tell me, but I read in a book, um, was he knew exactly who the lady was. And Chris was like, well, what, what, what about her, you know? And, and the Lord just gently told him, like, you gave her a word that wasn't from me. And Chris was mortified, right? As I would be too, and I'm sure you would feel the same way, you know? Like, oh, well, what the heck am I gonna do about this now, you know? And, and nervous, and so he's processing with the Lord and figuring out through um, his conversation with Jesus kind of where he overstepped. And the Lord told him, he said, what kind of a friend would I be? if I left this all on your shoulders. I'm gonna go into her life, I'm gonna make that word come true. Because we're in this together. Isn't that incredible? So even on our best day, when all of our intentions are good and we still just might make a mistake, we've got the grace of God to cover us. We manage our heart, we manage our motives, and then the Lord takes care of the rest. So. This is my challenge to you as you grow in figuring out what to do about making messes. Don't let a mess paralyze you from your growth process. Practicing these types of wild encounters with Jesus is going to be messy. It's not a may, it just is, <laughs> right? And so if we acknowledge that it can get messy, if we can acknowledge that there are things beyond our control and things that we can control, right, all we can do is just grow and be humble before the Lord. Also, if we, um, I think I have this later in my, in my notes, but yeah, I have it later. I'm gonna talk about the difference between messing up and sinning in a second as well. But number two, the key of responsibility. It's important for us to take full responsibility for our own prayer and prophetic ministry, right? Even though some of you are here and you're under the accountability of a prayer pastor who is leading a team, beyond that, we still take responsibility for what comes out of our mouth and for our actions, okay? 1 Corinthians 14, 32 through 33 in the Amplified Bible says this, and I love it. For the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophet, which means that the prophecy is under the speaker's control and he can stop speaking. For God, who is the source of their prophesying, is not a God of confusion and disorder, but of peace and order. The Message Bible puts it this way, if you choose to speak, you're also responsible for how and when you talk. So clear, right? Brene Brown, clear as kind. Thank you very much. So it's so important that we understand the responsibility that's built into us being able to minister into people's lives. Have you ever thought about, or maybe you've asked for prayer and felt an immense uh, um, emotion of vulnerability? Yeah. You're either asking a stranger or a, some, somebody that somebody else trusts 
to hold the deepest, most painful, hurting parts of your life or the people that you love's life. The responsibility that we have to be on the receiving end of that need is great, absolutely great. And so whatever comes out of our mouth or out of our body language after that moment needs to represent Jesus as much as we can. Um, So we need to grow then in this area of personal responsibility. We have to be careful not to misuse our power, misuse our words. This is not a time or an opportunity for you to get your needs or your agenda met. Okay. (laughs) Which is hard, right? Especially for us who are like servant leaders and we're like, I just wanna do things for all the people all the time, but if there is a need of approval that you have that is coming out as you're standing on that prayer line, you're going to muddy up the interaction. You're gonna walk away thinking that it was something about you when it had nothing to do with you, right? You're going to take feedback differently and you're gonna be more sensitive if you don't know who you are and how proud of you God is and you're looking for it in other people. And so it's so important that we're just aware of what's going on inside of us and that we recognize um, what we need before we answer the opportunity to be on a team to minister. Um, If you have a need for significance, you will make the prophetic a machine. And we all, one of our core needs is for purpose. And significance is written into our very DNA from Jesus. But if that need is not being taken care of from heaven and you're looking for it to get satisfied on a prayer line, you have now violated the beauty and the purity of what prayer and prophetic ministry is. So it's just very important for us to be aware and for us to choose to be responsible. Maturing and understanding our own needs is our inside job. For me sometimes, I will put myself in timeout. You know, do you guys have badges like when you come to church to show like who's on the prayer team that day? No? Um, So we do. And um, it's just one of the things that we do to try to help, you know, navigate and manage expectation and then also communicate authority in our church. And so um, I'll tell my team like, if you show up for service, you don't have to have your badge on. If you need to be met by the love of God that day, then don't also assume pressure to minister. Just get your needs from Jesus met. And so sometimes it's important that we take the opportunity to just step aside and say, today I need to be filled, right? I can give once I'm filled, but because I recognize that I'm lacking, I'm not gonna put myself and the people who are vulnerable and trusting me with their heart in a situation where they could get wounded or hurt. Right, and so you just put yourself in timeout. And it's important that we do that and we don't rely on our leaders to do that for us. Sometimes I won't even pray out loud or um, I won't text back, you know, like in a small group text thread if I feel like I'm seeking somebody's approval. Have you ever had that happen where like you just like are like laboring over the right words because you want somebody to be like, Christina, you just, you're so, you pray so well. If that's my goal, I'm out, right? And instead of texting, we're trying to find, ew, ew, sawgrass, 
instead of trying to find like the perfect verse so I sound so spiritual and holy, I'm like, all right, Lord, obviously I need some surgery right here. (laughs) The people will be fine without my three-second prayer, but I won't be good if I continue to operate with this like hole inside of my heart. So it's just good to recognize that our need for affirmation and um, joy needs to come from heaven. And then we show up to our community healthy and ready to give out of that place of fullness. Also, uh, managing and taking the key of responsibility means that we don't manipulate relationships or information that we've learned and then say it or lace it in a prophetic word. And this gets tough in ministry. I don't know if you guys have had this happen. You know, you'll have moms come up to you and be like, please pray over my child, you know? And they're like, they just, you know, we're out all night and they're on drugs and blah, blah, blah. And how easy then is it to go and pray over that child and be like, you know, I know you're making bad choices, but thus saith the Lord, you're still loved. Like, that's, that's not, mm-mm, that's danger zone. We cannot take information we know and then lace it and say, this is what I'm sensing from the Lord. If it's information you know, just say it. Your mom told me it's been a rough week. Can I pray for you? That's so much more honoring, so much more powerful. There was even a time where I was really getting into the Enneagram. Do you guys know what that is? It's like a personality test or whatever. And I was digging it. We were like, oh my gosh, this stuff is so amazing. And I remember the Lord saying, like, do you um, wanna be good at the Enneagram or do you wanna be good at speaking on my behalf? And I was like, I don't understand why I can't do both, (laughs) right? But I recognized that I could so easily take that information and the assumptions made based off of people's personalities and their motivations and then in prayer opportunities, use it for self-awareness, for growth, for whatever. I was like, all right. No, I don't wanna do that. I would rather almost be naive about how people operate in the workplace, but know that what's coming from your heart, Jesus, is as purely from you as possible. Make sense? Okay, you still like me? Okay. Oh, okay, so good. All right, Um, also, sometimes I won't give um, a word because I just can't tell if it's too much of me or too much of Jesus. I just can't tell. And so I'll just, the Lord will use somebody else. You know, I need to manage myself. This is also something really important. If you bring up a wound while you're praying with somebody or as you're practicing the prophetic, put the prophetic on hold and pray over that person. Nurture the person in front of you. Don't worry about the greatness of the prophetic word coming out of you. And sometimes it's hard to evaluate because I love making people cry. Am I the only one? Okay, good, Peggy and I. I love it, I'm like, oh Jesus, you must be doing something so good here, right? And I get to be a part of it, this is so fun. But it's not always good tears. And so it takes two seconds to just ask the person, how are you feeling right now? Do you need to take a break? Are these good tears, are these bad tears? How can I love you really well in this situation? Do you wanna pause? All of that, that nurture, that looks like Jesus. And it's important that we don't let our zeal make us insensitive to people's needs. All right, the key of self-awareness. This is one of my favorites because there are a lot of weird people. 
Um, if it takes a lot of energy for people to listen to you, you're probably operating without love. <laughs> I cry pretty much every time somebody mentions Jesus' name. I just, I didn't used to. For a season, I apologized for it. Now I love that my heart is that tender before him, so I refuse to apologize anymore. And y'all are gonna be criers too after we're done. No, I'm just joking. Um, so, so there'll be times where I am um, experiencing um, the majesty of Jesus or the presence of God, and I'll be moved to cry. And then there'll be times where I'll have the opportunity to minister, and I'm crying as I'm praying over people. However, if I can't clearly communicate in that moment because I'm crying so intently, my interaction with them is no longer like kind and loving and compassionate. <laughs> it can get very awkward. And it's actually not right for the receiver who's in that vulnerable place for me to be like, I'm just having a moment with my king, you know, like. <laughs> Because the spirit of the speaker, right, or whatever, what is it that the message said, whatever you say is under the control of the person saying it. You can just say, I'm having such a heavy encounter with God, I don't really know what's happening, but can I come back to you? Please don't leave until I have the opportunity, or can I have your number? I'll, I'll talk to you, I can text it to you. But honor that person enough, and also honor the encounter you're having with the Lord. He might wanna do something else in your life too, and if you're so quick just to move on to the next thing, you might miss it. And so just take yourself out of the situation. One of the um, favorite examples I heard from Sean Bowles is that he was getting prayer one time, and this woman was so, um, I shall say, um, caught up in a experience with the Lord that she started like pulling the chest hair off of his chest as she's, you know, just like kind of bouncing back and forth. And, and so that's, that's not necessary. Yeah. We, don't, <laughs> we don't need to do that. We don't need to bounce. You know, we don't need to, um, sometimes I chew gum like a cow, like when I get really intense and excited, I can chew gum really like fervently. And it's so important that I'm just aware. I'm aware of my body, I'm aware of my emotions. You know, I don't put my hands on somebody unless I ask. I don't put my hands on somebody's head unless they've actually given me the authority to speak in their life. That's a positional authority that's reserved for certain people and certain opportunities. I'm not gonna assume that. But gently, I'll ask, can I touch you, right? Is it okay if I put my hand on your back? And I eliminate any possibility for the enemy to come and rob from a situation where God wants to encounter somebody just because I'm aware and I'm taking responsibility for myself. Does that make sense? Okay, these are all very important things. Um, yeah, we don't wanna violate people's boundaries. The anointing to minister, to speak on behalf of God does not mean that the person is out of control. The second to the last key, humility. Ask for feedback. This is the best way to grow, just like Frank was doing. How does this landing? What's going on? What are you sensing? That is one of the best ways to grow in our ability to um, have the confirmation that what we're hearing, how we're communicating it, and then how we're ministering to people is actually happening. And um, it's a great, it's actually great to ask for feedback 
um, and then grow by being accountable to that feedback. Now, I will say that not everybody gives great feedback. <laughs> just is what it is. And so, and so it's, uh, it's, it's good just to have like a filter system even for this, you know, as you're talking with people. But, but um, there's nothing wrong with even in a situation like this, you know, to be like, hey, Pastor Dan, what did you think? You know, how did I do? Give me, give me some pointers on how I can grow. That would be something that's gonna expedite your ability to steward more of the presence of God and also steward opportunities to be intimately involved in people's lives like we're talking about through prayer and prophetic. Another thing that we can do um, to grow and to practice humility is to track our words. So um, when I found out about this, I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know that that was an option. And so what I did was um, a couple of people that I had remembered you know, sharing prophetic words or some like intimate times of prayer or maybe even some inner healing sessions together, I would email them all and I was like, how did you feel you know, when we were done? What have you noticed is differently about your life now that we've had this interaction? Um, do you remember uh, what words were spoken and how are you walking them out? And I got great feedback from people. They were like, oh, you know, I always felt so loved, you were great, you were um, amazing. I mean, they just kept coming because I never make any mistakes, you know? And so it was like all of this good, good, good feedback. And I was able to hear that some of the words had came true, which was amazing. I was able to hear that some of them, they were still waiting in process or, you know, they changed um, some of the information that they were learning so that way they could position themselves to be on the receiving end of that really good word. And it was so fascinating. Another one of the things I learned was that I had stopped taking bigger risks. I had kind of capped a little bit in my growth and, and the words I was speaking, it was kind of hard to track. They were a little bit more like ambiguous, what's that word? Ambiguous, ambiguous, ambiguous. don't hurt yourself, kid. Um, and, and so, you know, there wasn't maybe like, you know, a timeline on it and so the person couldn't really discern like, well, I don't know if it happened or not. And so that was great feedback for me then, so that way I could say, okay, I wanna practice, I wanna ask the Lord, maybe can you, can you communicate these words to me in seasons, right? That way the hearer has a little bit more handlebars, some concrete um, ability to then discern if this word is for them or not. And so it was a great part of my process, and I would suggest you guys do the same. Um, either go back and interview people, or from this moment on, if you give words to people or you have those moments where you're praying with somebody and you really feel the Lord is stirring something in you, as you share it, document it. Keep track of it. You know, six months from now, ask them. Tell them, hey, I'm gonna follow up with you in a couple months. I'm really curious to see what God does. It's a great way for us to practice humility and accountability and then grow. Um, okay, and then the last thing about practicing humility is we talked about if you make a mistake, apologize it, but if you, if you sin, repent immediately. And there is a difference between mistakes and sin, right? Okay, good. I'm glad three people know that. So a mistake is you didn't willfully partner with the wrong thing. You didn't willfully violate God, yourself, or somebody else. A sin is you knew better and you did it anyways, okay? Um, a couple of, maybe like a year ago, I sinned. 
I was ministering in our youth group, and I was so excited about what the Lord was doing, and I had the opportunity to hear a couple of testimonies from some of the kids, and so then after, like, we were debriefing as a group, and we were sharing everything, and I embellished what the kids had said. So there was, like, this much truth, and I was like, oh, yeah, they're, like, healed like this. And man, I was so sorrowful when I went home that night. I called every single person in that youth group debrief. I said, I feel disconnected from everybody. I felt like I had to prove myself in ministry, and I lied. This is what's the truth. This is where the kids are at. Their story is still being written. Please do not share these testimonies with anybody else. That was a hard thing to go through. And it's not the only time, right? It's not the only time that we do it. But we need to be able to repent immediately and understand the motive of our heart when things don't go the way that we intended for them to go. And there was a time where I um, uh, got the opportunity to prophesy over somebody that they were going to get out of debt. I followed up with them. They said they did, but my timeline was wrong. I said, in the next six months, you're gonna get out of debt, and this is what's going to happen as a byproduct of that. It took a year, right? So being able to follow up with them and just saying, okay, so I got the word right, I got the timeline wrong. Lord, where did I miss it? What's going on? And for any confusion, I apologize. I'm still so happy God did it, but for anything in the process, that six months to 12 months where it didn't happen, I own that, and I'm sorry for what that did to you, right? There was another time where I had, um, I don't have time for this. Um, anyways, just be sensitive. The Lord, the Lord wants to use you and we just need to take responsibility for what we do. The last key is uh, the key of growth, right? God is going to teach us how to recognize his voice as we practice listening. The best way to identify God's voice is to obey what he is currently telling us to do. If you feel blocked in any way, even today after we've gone through all of this together, if you still feel like, man, I just don't, I'm not, I'm not getting it, Christina. You said the voice of God was for everybody but me. Then might there be an opportunity where he spoke to you and you didn't obey? Go back in your history with the Lord and just ask, did I silence your voice in some way with my disobedience? Or did I silence your voice um, because I wasn't willing to do what you asked? Go back to that place, have a conversation with the Lord, and invite him to come and speak to you again. He'll probably tell you to do exactly what he told you to do a year ago, knowing him, because that's he's a good dad. Another way to grow, and you have all of these on your uh, paper, is just to be an eternal optimist. It's easy to come across really bad news. And bad news is one of those ews, the enemies of the prophetic, that will violate our ability to stay connected to God's heart for humanity. So consider like fasting from social media, from family members who are toxic, from the news outlets, anything that would try to rob or steal your joy from seeing God's bride the way that he intended from heaven, just take a break. You're not gonna lose out on anything, in fact, I think it's gonna be good for you. And so the more that we can see God's kingdom on earth, the more we'll be able to speak it out. 
Um, don't just encourage someone or share prophetic words when you're serving on the prayer team. Do it all the time. Every moment is a moment to cover people with name tags from heaven. Your kids need it, your spouses need it, your mother-in-law needs it, your pastors need it, friends. Your pastors need it, and they're the safest ones to practice on, because you ain't gonna hurt them, okay? But we need the encouragement of the saints, okay? Not flattery, don't flatter us, but encourage us. Let us know how God is moving. Let us know what God is calling us to. Um, there is no limitation to how refined your hearing can be or how many of God's languages you can speak. Anytime you see something in the kingdom that you're attracted to or curious by, the Lord is saying, let's do this together. He doesn't do things so that way we could be spectators or we could just applaud him. He does things as invitations for us then to come and do it with him, right? And so if you know, if someone's talking about dreams, I dream all the time at night. Will you pray for me? I wanna dream. Can I hang out with you? Because I wanna experience God's voice through dreams. If somebody else is like, yeah, I see weird numbers all over the place. Will you pray for me? Would you release that kind of an impartation? Can we talk more about this? Your hunger will be the magnet for God to release more things on the earth over you. And so... You will have all of Jesus that you want. Come on. <laughs> we ran out of time for our final activation, which I'm super bummed about, but I don't want to, I don't want to bypass what we can do now as a community. And so Pastor Dan's gonna come up. We're gonna talk a little bit about some ways that we can practice what we've gone through today within the context of accountability and the church. And then um, get your little verses ready. I have a fun little prophetic act for us and then we're going to commission and pray for you guys together. Does that sound good? Okay. All right, wow. Does it, uh, come on up here, Christina. Does anybody feel like they've been drinking from a fire hose, okay? So you have your, your notes. You've been given handouts. I want to encourage you. So this is one of the things that we didn't discuss as a way of um, leaning into this and growing into this, uh, this ministry, this gifting. Um, and, and that is to just go back through this stuff, yeah. review it, meditate on it, think through it, um, start putting it into practice, yeah. and then going... And, and kind of just checking yourself. And so um, one of the things that you can do also to um, step more into this is um, we meet at 925 on Sundays before service for prayer. And we usually have some, it, it, it's, uh, it's different every week. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes we'll just um, wait as a group and, and somebody will see a picture or give a scripture. Sometimes we, whoever is leading that prayer experience will have specific things for us to do, to pray over people and, and things like that. So I would say if you want to grow in this area, which I think everybody here does, um, I would invite you to participate in um, our Sunday morning prayer gathering. Mm -hmm. Also, um, uh, if you want to be a part of the prayer team, and you would like to um, learn and grow. So, so what's really cool is that 
there is um, a few people that I've, um, uh, have really wanted to be on the prayer team, but they feel nervous about it. Mm -hmm. And I said, hey, no problem. We'll pray together, so I'll pray yep. over, and you can listen, and you can jump in if Great you feel leadership. like you want, mm -hmm. you know, you feel led to pray. And so you can also listen and, and kind of build up your, your confidence a little bit and you're, you're you know, seeing you know, some skill and things like that of praying over people. So if you want to do that, if you would like to be a part of the prayer team, please see me afterwards. Um, you can talk to me today, Sunday, anytime you want to, shoot me an email or whatever. So I would say that. And the other thing is, is the next training what, what would the next training look like, uh, Christina? Blue skies, are we just dreaming? <laughs> like a four-week summer right. intensive. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> what, what would it look like to, um, uh, if and when, well, I would say when we, we do another one of these, let's say maybe in the next couple months. Yeah, I think um, just having more opportunities to practice is the best, mm -hmm. especially when you're in a company of people who all have that same value for, okay, we're going to take some risks and we're going to practice it together. Um, unpacking more of the revelatory gifts, helping us discern what's the difference in, in ourselves and then also in our understanding of words of knowledge and prophetic and words yeah. of wisdom and how they work together to serve the bride. Mm -hmm. And um, simple things like how to minister to people who who aren't Christians, right? No Christianese, mm -hmm. yes. right? We wanna be relatable when we're hitting mm -hmm. the street. So now we kind of talked about what to do in-house with people who, you know, probably know the Lord and are coming to you, but then taking that additional step of what to do when we're going out on the streets and how to activate the Lord out there. Yeah, and speaking of going out on the streets, uh, once a month on the first Saturday of the month, we actually go out on the streets. So good. We go to Pomona. And those, those are the real streets. <laughs> this isn't Chino Hills. This is Pomona. And we go to the homeless, yeah. drug, drug addicts. 90, 95% of the people are on Come drugs. On. Um, they, they've, they're broken lives. And they, man, what you get to experience Come and on. see when you, when you begin to just speak the heart of Jesus over their broken lives. Yeah. Man, I, I, I've seen already really, I've seen people activated and, and in ways that they never um, uh, probably had thought of before. They just kind of, I don't know, God just empowered them. And then, so I'm just standing back as a pastor and I'm watching this whole group of people <laughs> and they're, they're praying and prophesying and sharing the gospel with yeah. people. And I'm just sitting back and I'm watching and I'm going, this is incredible. Yeah. This is, this is, you know. Pastors should yeah. never be praying over anybody. Yeah. <laughs> when you don't need us, it's the best thing in yes, the world. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's just so cool to see that growth. So yeah. I would invite you to do that uh, as well. And, um, and then we can talk more about yeah. uh, next classes. Because um, there's, there's definitely some of that, um, you know, just, um, I would say, I'm trying to think of the, the term that is used for when people really need to, like inner healing mm -hmm. and things like that. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. I would really love to kind of explore what that looks like and, and maybe a training class on, on yeah. something like that too as well. Yeah. Um, um, because, we got you know, a we're hand all. In the back. We huh? Got, we got an eager hand in the back. Oh, we do? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I want to make sure that I understand the question well. So can you reiterate it? <laughs> yeah, and it's ministry time. The Lord's doing good things. Hey, I need prayer. Yeah. What do you do? Yeah, um, and I have the authority to pray in the house. You're part of the prayer team. Yeah, then you say, um, great, this, if this was me, and then how I train my teams is to say, um, is there something specific, or would you like me to pray as I feel like the Lord is leading me to? Because they're not synonymous, right? And so if they have a need, wonderful. I'm happy to pray for you. Um, hopefully there wasn't a line, and they didn't jump the gun. But yeah, then it's an opportunity just to minister to that person. Um, if they're asking for you to pray prophetically or if you feel in any way that you need like extra support, it's always good to be like, awesome, let me grab you know, my friend. We'll come and pray for you as well. Um, just as much as we wanna respect other people's boundaries, your boundaries deserve to be respected as well. And so if somebody you know, like gets in your face, you can be like, okay, awesome, I'm gonna take a step back, grab my buddy, here we go, we're gonna minister to this need. Um, and honestly, clear is kind. Just be very clear. If somebody asks, like, can I have your telephone number right now and you don't wanna give it to them, don't give it to them, you know? If you um, have a mercy heart and you feel like, gosh, I don't wanna send this person out, I wanna follow up with them, make sure it's part of your protocol, you know, to invite that person into a follow-up process. So does that kind of answer? Yes. Perfect, okay. Yes, that's great, that's great feedback. Um, all right, so. Yeah. Okay. Me too, all the time. How would you respond Yes. So so one of the things that we did um, in developing um, a prophetic ministry was we had everybody go through training. Mm -hmm. After training, they had to get an application filled out that included peer and pastoral references, right? We have to earn the right to minister to people. And so we reviewed their applications and then we would welcome them onto the team, uh, but we also had a contract for them to sign. And in the contract, it talked about a lot of the things that we went over, accountability, humility, also um, that we embrace a culture of brave communication so if there is a situation, I should not have to be hearing about it from somebody else because that person should be able to come up to me as a leader and say, hey, I sinned, or hey, I made a mistake. Here's what I'm walking through. Um, but in the event that that happened, um, that we needed to kind of course correct or um, kind of get back to what we call like our DNA, mm -hmm. there's a lot of expressions of prophetic ministry and a lot of expressions of inner healing and prayer ministry. And it's important for us and for everybody else to have similar DNA. And so, you know, it's okay to ask people, hey, if you could tone down these kinds of manifestations so that way you're in alignment and agreement with our house, mm -hmm. then 
great. And it's actually a part of the contract, you know. And so if somebody on my team said, thus saith the Lord, or another one of the um, kind of boundaries we have is like to not give um, prophetic words about like mates or dates or babies, right? Because there can be so much wounding there and our goal is to see people healed, not wounded. And so if somebody steps outside of that line and then we hear about it, they should not be surprised that we're having a conversation. And based off of their reaction, if they're humble and they're submissive and they're broken about it, because at that point it's a sin, if they're broken about it, then we can reminister together right away. If they are justifying their actions or if they are in any way like, oh, but the Lord said it so strong, right? Because like we can't argue with Jesus. Right? I just knew it, I just knew the Lord said it. The Lord told me he, that he wanted me to say it. It's like, okay, well, in this house, we've set these boundaries because this is what we feel looks like love and it's also honoring our lead pastor. And so if we're not under that protection and that covering and we're stepping outside of it, we're welcoming offense from the enemy, abuse from different things, and we have to protect what we've set in motion by the hand, like by the Spirit of God. That's your job as leaders. And so for those of you that are on the team, you know, talk to your teammates, but recognize that a part of our role in shepherding culture is to protect and not let certain things in and not let certain things out. And so we're not the bad guys then being like, okay, you blew it. It's no, no, no. Like, this is the anointing of the Lord, and as it pertains to me, this is how we are trying to make sure that it doesn't get abused. And so most people want to go on that journey with you. If they don't, then again, clear is kind. There needs to be a process of reconciliation when somebody blows it. Not if, right? When somebody blows it, a clear process of reconciliation. So Dan, I'm so sorry, this is the second time that you said thus saith the Lord, and I'm just curious if you feel like, you know, you fit within this culture, or if maybe God's doing something else in your life, right? No, 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 I fit, I fit, I'm here. Okay, awesome, so um, I'm going to uh, recommend that for the next six months, you get some counseling here, and maybe, you know, you and Pastor Mark read this book on, I don't know, healthy boundaries or whatever, you know, actually put something into practice that can help that person grow. The worst thing you could do is tell someone that they can't play and then not give them, you know, like a coach to help them get back into the game. And so it has to be so clear what those kinds of boundaries are and then cool, this is how we're gonna support your growth because if you're scared of mistakes, you'll never grow as a company. You'll never grow, you'll never impact Chino. So mistakes are gonna happen What's the plan for when they do? Does that help? Yeah. Okay. All right. Mark, do you have any more questions? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and all that I have is yours. Anything mm-hmm. that I've done or made or whatever, like mm-hmm. you guys can have it for free and make it yours and turn it around and do whatever. Yeah, yeah, we've been very careful at this point to only really allow leaders mm-hmm. and hand-chosen people to, to be on our prayer team. Yeah. We haven't really it's developed wisdom. it into uh, really allowing people to kind of just join an application process or anything mm-hmm. like that. Um, it, we're still actually very new yeah. with that, that ministry, but it's growing. And so those are the kind of things that we 
definitely need yeah. to yeah. step into. I've, I've had some talks with some people already, <laughs> um, and they've gone really well. And they, they weren't on the prayer team. Mm -hmm. They were just in the congregation. Mm -hmm. And so those conversations have been well, and I've just been able to show, hey, this is our DNA here. Yeah. This is our culture we're yeah. building. Can you just, can you kind of just bring this into alignment? And, and I want to, first of all, affirm that, hey, God is, works through you. He speaks through you. But can you just bring it under these boundaries? Yeah. And they've been very receptive to that. Yeah. So People um, want to, you know, do the right thing. Mm -hmm. They just need to know where the lane ends. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what do we, what's next? Yeah. So we want to bless you guys and commission you. Um, so everybody take your little paper. This is one of my favorite things in the world to do, even though it's kind of weird. So this is the weirdest thing you're going to participate in today. <laughs> um, and actually, could we have everybody like come up and then Pastor Mark and Pastor Dan and Pastor Aaron, do you guys want to like lay hands on people in a second as I'm speaking this commission? But I'm huge on commissions. We see in scripture all the time where leaders would commission kings and prophets and, and it was an opportunity to take the anointing from God that came with like vigor and majesty and zeal and place it on the people of God. And so because you guys have amazing, amazing ministers of God who get the opportunity to do that, we're going to actually bless you to go out and practice and do all the things that we got to do today. Go ahead and come closer, don't be scared. COVID's over, right? <laughs> Not really. Um, but first, we're gonna take our scroll. This is edible paper with edible writing on it and we're gonna eat it just <laughs> like the Lord told Ezekiel to eat his words. And then it became like honey to his spirit, right? And so hopefully you all know what your word says. If not, take a picture. You can have quiet times with it later. But we're gonna eat the very word of God together, and then your pastors are gonna lay hands on you as I read this commission over you. Sound good? All right, so Lord, as a prophetic act of your goodness, we say yes to absorbing your word and may everything that comes out of us be drenched with your truth, Father. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> All right. Are you ready? I know, it's not tasty. <laughs> Here we go. It is my privilege to commission each and every one of you into your divine destiny. You guys can go ahead and lay hands if you want. A destiny of love that the world is waiting to see. The world is waiting for the love of the Father expressed through the power of the gift of his voice and you are the answer to their heart's cry. You are agents of love, agents of change and wisdom with resolution on your lips. You are the ones who will find treasures hidden in dark places, ones who believe for the impossible and practice the presence and promises of God. So let every word you speak be drenched with grace tempered with truth and clarity. Let every activity of your life and every word that comes from your mouth be drenched with the beauty of our Lord Jesus. 
because it's Christ in you who is the hope of glory. Each of you has prophetic voices that release identity, destiny, destiny, hope, and love, yeah. And you have been given minds that recognize everyone according to God's spirit and his family. You've been given a heart for the bride that is pure and firmly attached to the truth of Jesus' beloved, and you've been given eyes to see her fully adorned, fully fashioned, and prepared to rule and reign with him. I bless you to access your destiny through all the treasures of your inheritance stored in the heavenly realm and to walk in the true ways of righteousness, pleasing God in every good thing that you do. (laughs) You are an ambassador of Christ, bringing the ministry of reconciliation to every person, every family, every business, every city, every government, and every nation that you go into. And so we commission you now in Jesus' name to take what you've been given through education. We also release impartation into every society that you touch. And we declare right now in this room that through our prophetic voices, we will see the heart of God released, the children of God walking in their destiny, the evil in this world overcome by good, the nations and governments given spiritual resolution, the lost found and welcomed into the family of God, and everyone who agreed said, amen. Amen. Amen.